Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. So today we're going to talk about the avoidant attachment style. We've gone over secure and anxious. And the third one we're going to do is avoidant. So avoidant attachment starts to appear in people who don't know if their needs are going to be met or not. And so that they stop trusting people to meet their needs. Where secure attachment has um, low levels of anxiety and high levels of intimacy and anxious attachment has high levels of anxiety and high levels of intimacy. Avoidant attachment has low levels of anxiety and low levels of intimacy. And this is a little bit different than being self-sufficient, right? Some people may say I'm just independent or I'm super self-deficient. I don't need anyone. Sufficient. Sufficient. Sorry. You said deficient. I was like, well, I mean, some of us are self-deficient. Yeah. (laughs) Not to brag or anything. I'm pretty much a queen of self-deficiency, but you know. (laughs) What's different from uh, avoidant and self-sufficient is, is that when people don't want to create intimacy with other people versus they don't want to, maybe that looks like they don't want to rely on other people versus they just want to have some independence and the ability to function um, and manage their own emotions. Like you were saying, Jen, people with an avoidance attachment style often in their childhood have found people to be unreliable or they've been chaotic. Generally, to put it very bluntly and kind of brutishly, that people suck and learned it maybe more than the average person has. And so they try to keep people at arm's length. It doesn't mean that they don't have any relationships. But they're certainly not going to let people get close to them, at least on an emotional level. It reminds me of Hans from Frozen, where he's like, people will always hurt you and people are the worst. And, you know, his little song he sings to, you know, his reindeer friend. But I think, yeah, I (laughs) think Kristoff Hans is the bad guy. Dang it. That's the one. Hans also also has a, you know, (laughs) bad attachment style. Forgive me. Um, no, Kristoff. Yes. He's the one who's like talking to his reindeer and he's and like, that's why you're not working at Disneyland anymore. I know they kicked me out. No, I quit. I actually just didn't show up. <laughs> they were like, you should work seasonal hours. And I was like, I should, huh? Cause they wouldn't let you be a stormtrooper. So was that an avoidant move there when you just didn't I show just didn't up one day by Disney corporation? You didn't No, <laughs> No, I, <laughs> I went on to bigger things. Um, I think it's really important to some people think you can only get an avoidant personality if if big T trauma happened to you. It's really important to say that sometimes parents um, or caregivers can be present physically, but what they're going to do that creates avoidance is they avoid their own emotional, uh, their own emotions. So they don't display emotions. They don't display intimacy and connectedness. And then they they also often are very... um, misattuned to the child's needs so they kind of give this feeling like your needs don't matter and i can't see them and so they the child starts to believe nobody can see them nobody will attune to them and so everybody again back to taylor's technical term they suck everyone sucks because nobody sees yeah, it's me. a clinical term 
I do you feel uh, this is a theoretical question. So let's let's see where we go with that. Do you feel like sometimes avoidant attachment can also be due to burnout when there's too much attachment? Like if there's a lot of anxious attachment, all of a sudden we kind of have like an opposite effect of it. Personally, I feel like that's where my avoidance is. Oh, like there's a lot of drama. Well, it's like this idea of like, you've had a lot of like the quote unquote, like hugging experience of someone who's like constantly trying to be there. And so the there's no boundaries in the family. Yeah. So there's like emotional burnout of having people so close. And all of a sudden you see people go the opposite extreme of them being avoidant. So when I think about it's kind of this anxious avoidance versus just avoidant, I think Mm -hmm. of it in terms of our limbic system where we go into fight, flight, freeze. But then when we're, when our, our nervous system is on for too long, we start to go into that freeze response and withdraw because Mm -hmm. we're overstimulated. And so overstimulated um, levels of avoidance is probably more in the anxious realm. If I was to go theoretical where withdraw because because we talked about anxious attachment as being that hyper aware because of their trauma avoidant are actually they have a really low frequency to connect to their own emotions and to other people's and so they often withdraw because they are unaware or they Mm -hmm. don't see any purpose in connecting when emotions are present that makes sense. Every relationship, and this is true for families, has to balance togetherness and separateness. And when we grow up in an environment where there's only ever togetherness allowed and separateness is seen as bad, then um, people either grow up and do what they know, which is too much togetherness, or they will do the opposite uh, because of the emotional wound around that, and they'll do separateness. And that's where an avoidant attachment style can come from like you were saying jen Mm -hmm. and too much togetherness is its own trauma little t trauma absolutely and i think as we think about avoidant we we realize that what happens for anxious is is that they might pull away for a little while but they'll come back and they'll be able to reconnect right because they have high anxiety and high intimacy where avoidance have that low intimacy so they don't seek to attach in fact the more you connect to somebody who's withdrawn the more withdrawing they may do because they Mm -hmm. think you're the crazy one for being so in tune with the emotions that makes sense along those lines um, lots of people um, will say that they're an empath Oh and, my gosh. That is like the biggest thing that I hear forever. I just, I just have a really big problem because I'm an empath. I'm like, no. Empaths <laughs> don't exist. That's, it's a very like hyped up word that people are trying to. What have. you're describing is growing up in an environment where being able to read someone else's emotional cue is dependent on your survival. I'd also say you're describing someone who has no boundaries. Like you're deciding like I need to take on someone else's emotions when really like no one has to take on any empathy isn't taking on someone else's emotions. And so when people talk about like avoidance, they're like, well, I'm not an empath. I'm like, well, probably because you have boundaries and you haven't seen people actually do that before. Well, and I think as we talk about that, people who identify as empaths are more going to be in the in the anxious attachment right? Where what you're going to see is an avoidant attachment is that people say, I don't really feel very much, right? I grew up with an avoidant attachment style, but I had high levels of empathy. And so mm-hmm. this happens sometimes um, where people uh, avoid um, lots of spaces just because it's overwhelming. Um, and 
I was able to read lots of facial cues just because of my good old fashioned childhood trauma. <laughs> and sometimes then the withdrawers, they withdraw, the withdraw, the those avoidant, withdraw. those who withdraw, they can be very kind and they can be very attentive, but connecting to them can be very difficult. It can feel like when I try and connect in that emotional intimacy versus in the behavioral or transactional way, they have a hard time doing that. And so often people who are, avoidant are very good at like acts of service or getting things done but they struggle with that the emotional intimacy or sitting together in the in the connection yeah and i think because for them it's the idea of sitting together in the connection feels it's just too vulnerable and so again avoidance is about protecting that vulnerability it's about saying like i have that you know soft squishy inside and I have to make sure that I have a lot of things of like put around that and so you don't always see like avoidant people can avoid people can a hundred percent be part of a huge group you don't think of them as always being hermits right you can have an avoidant person and they can be in the middle of everything but they are not the ones who are going to tell you those inner feelings thoughts experiences right they're going to be ones who are can be the most social people but their avoidant attachment shows when they are not able to make those deeper connections in that same way in that vulnerable way that a, a secure attachment could potentially right make. that low emotional intimacy it's not low levels of of connections of friendships of work relationships of acquaintances it's the low level of vulnerability of emotional intimacy yeah and I think it's good to recognize that we often see people who aren't connecting intimately as there's something wrong with them versus they don't feel safe. And so if we start to recognize that they don't feel safe and that's why they're not connecting, we may be able to focus on that they may need more time and experience to develop safety. Because if you do have an avoidant attachment style, you can still develop healthy attachment. It's going to take maybe more time and resources and um, some awareness in the partners in, in the relationship. The other thing to look at when somebody is avoidant is to understand that they may be seeking out unhealthy ways to get their needs met that feel safer that they can control. So things like addiction or um, fantasy can be something that they go deeply into because it is in a very controlled environment where one of the reasons, right, that we avoid is because we couldn't control how other people show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, uh, avoidant attachment style uh, doesn't have an absence of anxiety. It's not that they don't have any anxiety. It's that they have much less anxiety in a relationship than the other attachment styles. Um, and the way that um, they manage the anxiety is just by keeping people at arm's length emotionally. They're not going to share deep personal things. Um, someone with an avoidant attachment style, you might find out something about them or they might tell you something after years, decades of knowing them. And you're like, I would have had no idea. Like, oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me this sooner? And that's because um, it doesn't really have anything to do with you. It has to do with the person with an avoidant attachment style and just their philosophy and how they see people. And they might see it as like, well, I wasn't in a safe space to know that about you, but, or you didn't create a safe space. And that doesn't like what Taylor's saying and Jen's saying, like, that doesn't necessarily mean it's because you did anything to create an unsafe space. It couldn't, it could simply be that they don't know how to get to that point or don't feel safe ever in that point. So it's not necessarily because the other person did something intentionally to create an unsafe environment. They just 
may not know how to open up in general. So it's not necessarily the fault of the environment. I think it's also important to recognize that that just because they struggle with building intimacy does not mean they don't care. Yeah. I think Taylor talked about it earlier that these people uh, who struggle with avoidance attachment can care deeply and be highly invested. They can be very active in serving other people and showing up to other people in other ways, but their ability to sit in the emotional connection is what they struggle with. And so a lot of times when we we see an avoidant person and we feel like, well, they're not trying to connect to me, so they must not care. And that's very, very much not the truth, that they do care and that caring and the fear of the inability to attach or even believing that attachment isn't possible is what's keeping them in avoiding the relationship and avoiding that connection. And with with avoidant attachment styles, let's talk a little bit about um, what would be the most effective way for them to start to be aware of their attachment style and even work on um, maybe healing so that they could have the intimacy that they want. I think the first step is back to with the other ones we've already talked about it's it's the the mindset of saying like it's okay you're avoidant it again like we're saying like it doesn't mean you have you don't have needs it doesn't mean that you don't want to have connection it's saying like you need to you need to progress in a different way than an anxious attachment would or anything like that so i think definitely first step is finding for yourself, like just kind of like, there's a lot of work to be had of just finding peace of saying like, it's okay, right? It's okay that I have an avoidant attachment style and I don't need to necessarily like berate myself for such. Usually someone with an avoidant attachment style, even almost always uh, are fine with it. Mm -hmm. It's usually the people in their lives that aren't fine with it. Yeah. Um, it's really rare to find a couple with two avoidant attachment styles coming into therapy. You're like, how did you meet? <laughs> how did you guys get together? Yeah. Cause generally they don't talk about anything. They don't fight about anything. Um, when we see someone with an avoidant attachment style coming in, it's usually because, um, they're married or in relationship with someone that has an anxious attachment style. I was going to say research shows that there's a large majority of people who pair up based off anxious and avoidant. It's not two people who usually have the same attachment style. Yeah. A lot of times someone with a lot of trauma in their past or that is anxious in a relationship gets together with someone with an avoidant attachment style because they think, oh my gosh, this is so great. There's no drama. And then pretty soon they're not getting anything back from this person as far as vulnerability goes, as far as um, outward shows of empathy goes. Um, and they're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? How come you don't want to go out? Or how come you're not here for me? And then the relationship goes downhill um, because um, pretty soon it's not enough that there isn't drama. They need the presence of active listening and they need active compassion and empathy. And then there's dissatisfaction, like, well, see, this is why people mm -hmm. suck. And the person with avoidant attachment is like, this isn't me, this is you. Um, you're just being sensitive or, you know, like you go to therapy and figure it out. And sometimes they'll come in together. Um, but otherwise, that's generally when we see someone with an avoidant attachment style come in. It's usually uh, at the behest of someone else because it works for them. Mm -hmm. The other time that I see it is often when they do have developed an unhealthy or an unwanted coping skill. I won't even call it healthy or not, but they don't like their coping skill. 
um, whether it's religious reasons or whatever they're saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not okay with this. How do I get over it? And what the work that I would do with them in an individual level is start to learn about their own emotions because they were uh, neglected in their emotional development. They may be very smart, very capable people, but we may have to start at the very lowest levels of saying, um, what, what are those emotions? and doing that very base emotional work that makes them more aware of it so that they can connect and work with emotions. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we wanna add, like if you are noting that your partner has a, a, an avoidant like personality, again, those are the people that, you know, you might say we need to come into therapy versus recognizing that not everyone needs to show up in the relationship the same way you do. And there's a lot of pros to a relationship with someone who is emotionally consistent and stable. Again, like Taylor talked about, if you have a lot of trauma, working with someone who's emotionally consistent and stable probably made you feel safe. So if you've been in that relationship for a while and now you're wanting more connection, be patient with them and be grateful for what they did bring into your lives. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fate Resilience. We'd love to hear from you.